just uh, the way I deal with technology is <laughs> right. it doesn't work. I'm going to take it outside and stomp it, <laughs> and I'm going to go buy something new. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I deal with technology. I'm surprised you've had an Apple this long, then. Oh, uh, well, it's because Apple stuff works when you tell it to work. Desi had some some pretty funny issues with her Apple, her new shit. You got to talk thing. to me about my HP that I bought for school. Yeah, oh my but God, you, you yeah, stupid you, shit. You've not you've not ever used shit. a Windows before, though, have you? Maybe I when mean, you were younger, when I was like, a kid, yeah. yeah. But I mean, so, so since you've been on a Mac this whole time, that transit, like if I were to jump jump on a Mac right now, I'd probably be like, what the hell is all this shit? There's a reason why you know major music schools only exclusively use Macintosh because they're better for audio and visual and yeah, everything. no, they, they <laughs> I, won't, I won't lie, they are better better for like. Um, they they are the art computer, whereas like a Microsoft is more for uh, getting business business and gaming. Really, <laughs> Mac Mac's trying to come up with the gaming, but they're they're still pretty far behind. But as far as like, well, it's because they don't want their shit customizable. Is one yeah. one re- big reason too. Yeah, they want it. To I mean, be. all those fucking good DAWs and stuff for recording. Yeah. All the plugins for it, it's all exclu- almost exclusively written for Mac. They write yeah. it for everything else too, but it doesn't run the same. Yeah, I've I've gotten a few. I've since we started this podcast, I've kind of been dabbling in that kind of stuff. That's where I got that new one where it like kills all the background noise and stuff. Yeah. Last time, last podcast, I was listening to it and I was like, man, something doesn't sound right. And then I realized it wasn't it wasn't the the DAW. It was the actual settings on the microphone because the mid and the high was just too high. And that's where that staticky, like, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's kind of staticky sound. Well, and then I was just like, well, we can fix that. Now it should be good. We'll find out. Well, the show before the show, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, the cocktail recipe. Yeah. Um, it's going to be kind of hard for people to pull off. Yeah. <laughs> I named this uh, the Return of the Jedi because it was the color <laughs> of Luke's green lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. In the Return of the Jedi, um, it is fucking neon green, son. Uh, Yours was more Yoda yellow, than yeah, but Yoda my, green. Mine was yeah a little bit more Yoda like because I put a different type of moonshine in mine. Just had a little well, bit mixed. of a splash. I mixed yeah. moonshines, so mine was a little bit more piss yellow. Where <laughs> yours is neon, but it was because I just didn't want to waste the moonshine. Yeah, but it's just a Malibu homemade, real Coleman County <laughs> distilled. Cotton candy flavored moonshine, um, Malibu coconut rum, pineapple juice, and OJ, and it's fucking excellent. It's mm-hmm. a really good drink. Um, good luck finding that moonshine. Yeah, but if you want to make it, it's basically one part of everything, uh, and then like two parts OJ on top. Yeah. So pretty fucking good. It's very like fruity. It. It's very easy to drink, which is dangerous. Yep. So it be is careful. the uh, definitely has that moonshine. Um, it was very, very stout by itself, mm-hmm. but for some reason, when you mix good moonshine and things, it becomes... Just smooth. Yeah, extremely like easy nothing. to drink. Like, nothing in it whatsoever. Uh, we all was wincing and making pretty strong faces yeah. when we drank it by itself, but in the drink, it was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, the cotton candy one by itself was good. It was just, uh, it was just hot. It was just hot. Yeah, I mean, this is probably legit... I mean, it's not like 190 proof, like a lot of match to it, but it's, <laughs> I, I mean, it's definitely over 50% alcohol. Yeah, it's, 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 it's noticeably 
alcoholic, <laughs> like very, but it's good. And uh, it's a, it's a change. Um, we're not going to have more than one of these for our own reasons, mm -hmm. because I really don't want to drink anymore. And Nathan's in prep. So yep. um, it is what it is. Joe but, would probably say drink none, but you know, we'll be, we'll be all right. We'll, we'll survive with just one. You know, I know you're doing, he's doing your nutrition now. You know, you well, should count is, this toward your carbs. He is doing it starting next Monday. So a week from tomorrow. Yes. So he he will be doing my nutrition for four weeks, the last four weeks of my prep while I'm off of work. So I'm basically letting him control my entire life for four weeks up until the meet. I think that's what it takes. I'm hoping that it, we, it yields some good results. I know my diet has been really good in general um, for the past several months. Well, really the past month is when I really started cracking down on it. Um, One thing, I mean, you had some back and forth on because you really wanted everything to taste good still was, did you not struggle eliminating some dietary fat for a little while? Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it really boiled down to egg yolks and breakfast was really the, the hardest one because like I was already... egg to taste like something. Right. And then like, so going from four whole eggs to half and half, I felt pretty, pretty good about. And then it was, you need to go down to one egg yolk and three egg whites, no creamer in your coffee. So I just don't even drink coffee if I'm I'm training that day. <laughs> and uh, three strips of turkey bacon to two strips with a protein shake and orange juice uh, before I lift. For the record, if you like cold coffee, you can do like Stoke black yeah. Cold brew coffee and like half scoop of protein powder as your creamer. And it's pretty solid if you do like, do something smart, chocolate mm, or vanilla. Right. Don't do fucking birthday cake or <laughs> fucking banana flavored in your protein and your flavor. coffee. Yeah. yeah. Don't do that. But like, it's it's a pretty suitable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not huge on cold coffee. I will drink it occasionally if I'm desperate. I, but. I have a preference for it because black coffee makes my. Hot coffee makes my blood boil in a mm. way. Kind of pisses me off first thing in the morning. <laughs> uh, I definitely drink it in the winter time, but most most of the year I drink cold coffee. I will I will drink hot coffee all the time. Doesn't matter if it's hundred degrees outside. I'll drink hot coffee. Some so, people are just like that. I don't know. Most real coffee drinkers are like that. Yeah. Sandy's like that. Yeah. So it's just what it is. But other than that, like I feel like my diet's been pretty good because I I stick to it pretty pretty well. There have been a couple of times where I had you know the fuck it's like yeah. everybody has at least one or two, yeah. and I just don't let it. I, I don't let it phase me. Like if I if I'm like craving something, then obviously I'm lacking something. Yeah. So like I can either be smart and like I'm gonna do something like fruit, which I eat fruit every day. Yeah. Um, I eat a banana and an apple on every day that I go to work. Um, well, I guess I eat fruit four days a week yeah. and I try to eat, uh, vegetables every day. Uh, so I'll have like green beans and carrots and I was, I need, I need to do another vegetable for my, my second or third meal this week. But I was kind of like, I fucked up my meal, meal prep a lot. Just, just what's because I had plans for stuff, and as I was cooking, I was like, I didn't make this the way I was supposed to. I just got into a groove, and like uh, we had visitors, so I was just like walking around and cooking, and just like trying to get it all done. Just didn't even pay attention, so I had to kind of improvise on the that's fair on the meal prep. But I'll start. Um, shout out to Grant Mims. That's somebody we haven't mentioned in a while. Hmm. Um, my old bodybuilding coach. Uh, 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 
found his diet in my notes, and I'm starting it back tomorrow, so I'm excited mm. about that. I'm about to eat more greens than my stomach can <laughs> handle, so I'm about to shit a solid eight to ten times a day for the next for the foreseeable future <laughs> until my gut gets uh, balanced. But his diet was the only one I could stick to, and I think it's just a volume thing. It's a mm. disgusting amount of food volume. Yeah. It's all extremely clean. It's dairy-free. Um, it's like high-density, low-calorie. Yeah, yeah, extremely. We're talking about six to seven eight, uh, ounces of meat per meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, for four meals a day, um, a cup of greens at three of them, 10 ounces of white potato at one meal, which is a lot of fucking potato. Um, potato. I'm just going to do instant white mash. Good hack. If you like mashed potatoes better than other potatoes, like I do, I just find them easier, easier to palate. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can get uh, instant mash, mix them with skim milk instead of whole milk. And skip the butter. Consistency ends up being about the same. You still end up basically with like KFC mashed potatoes. Yeah, macros are still really favorable, um, and they're easier to eat. But yeah, the food volume is stupid. So my breakfast tomorrow is um, uh, six ounces of egg whites, three whole eggs, and uh, two bananas. Right out, right out the gate tomorrow, and that's that's pretty. Especially if you scramble them, mm-hmm. um, I'm big into drinking my eggs when I'm drinking that when I'm eating that many because it's less food volume because you don't whip air into it. Uh, But when you actually have to scramble them like he's asked me to, um, that food volume's extreme. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a a lot. Six ounces and three whole eggs. Yeah. So a ton of eggs. That's a ton of eggs. (laughs) And then every meal after that, six to seven ounces of meat. Yeah. um, Cooked weight. So you're talking about, you know, a half a pound or better Mm -hmm. of meat at every meal. Yeah. Um, I was successful on that because... It put me in a deficit, and I just physically did not want to eat anything else. Right. So, uh, and then, you know, plenty of greens, which is intimidating because I don't like them. Mm. Um, So we chose green beans. This one, I think I'm going to do probably broccoli or asparagus next week. But, uh, man, it's just a lot of fucking food. I actually like green beans, but the way I cook them. I do French style only. Yeah, yeah. French style green beans with some, uh, a little bit of oil and some garlic salt. And I fry them. Yeah, that's probably really good. I would like that. Um, yeah. I don't get the oil. Yeah. So that's uh, that's mm. one of the compromises I make. Like, I feel like if I'm eating, if I if I'm putting myself in the position to eat more vegetables, I want them to at least taste good. So like, yeah, I'm I'll not take I'm not picky bit. about vegetables, but I'm very bit picky about how vegetables are prepared. Yeah. And um, I would love to sit here and say because I'm a proponent of this that I could eat all those that volume of vegetables raw, but I cannot. Yeah. That's, it's definitely going to, and like my greens, like leafy greens are probably going to be collards and turnip greens and stuff like that, and not a salad. Yeah. Uh, also, there's some temptation with a salad to overeat my fats because you have a tendency to want to use dressing with yep. us. So it's actually helps me maintain my fat intake if mm-hmm. I eat like a cooked green instead right. of, you know, instead of a leafy green, instead of, a, yeah, instead of, you know, a raw leafy green. So yeah. to get leafy greens in, they're going to be mostly. Collards, mustard, and turnip greens. Yep. Have you have you done cooked spinach? Can you do it? Um, I'm not the biggest fan of spinach because it tastes like grass to me. It's I love great. every type of uh, green. I love arugula. I love uh, pretty much every type of lettuce except for iceberg. I don't like how tough iceberg is compared to like it gets weird and. I don't like the white parts of an iceberg lettuce. Really? Because I love the crunch of iceberg lettuce. I do not like. <laughs> yeah, I mean the greener parts of iceberg is fine, but. Um, I do romaine much, much easier. Mm. Um, 
all that weird shit. I'm trying to think about this one that's kind of peppery that I like a whole lot. Um, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, watercress. Never heard of it. Yeah, watercress is really good. It's in like mix. Like if you get like a spring mix or something, okay. it's in mixes a is lot. Is it the purple colored one? Um, no, it almost looks like more more herbal. It's like a little stringier. And I think I know what you're talking, what I'm talking about. about. It's really yeah. fucking good. Um, but yeah, it's just easier for me to eat them cooked. Yeah. And uh, I don't, my body doesn't process greens well. It makes me shit like crazy. Mm. So that's another reason why I'm kind of going to lean toward cooked greens. Yeah. So it just helps with digestion. Yeah. As long as you're not cooking it in fucking a bunch of oil and ham hock and shit, like there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with turnip or collards or something right. like that. So that's what I'm probably going to do. It, and if you if you just salt them, that help that goes a long ways. Like that was the only way I could stomach eating. Like when my mom would cook spinach, like she would have like the frozen spinach and she cook it and get it yeah. real hot. It's like the consistency is really like it like algae. Spinach reminds me of you ever wash the the underside of your mower. Yeah, that's, that's what that's what chopped spinach or something reminds me or cooked spinach. It's, it's me the of. same texture. It yeah, really it is. Sucks, I can't do it. It's bad, but if you salt it, it's palatable. What's crazy is I love spinach cooked in things. Like if it's in uh, an Italian dish, if it's on, it's great as a pizza topping. Like all those yeah. kind of shit's fine. But yeah, when you when by you, itself, I just can't fucking do it. My mom makes stuffed shells, and she stuffs it with like. Cream cheese, mozzarella, and and spinach. Yeah. And when you when you can't taste the spinach, it's great. Yeah. When it tastes like cream cheese, <laughs> yeah. it just looks a little green. You're like, yeah. oh, I can like with this, this is good. It just <laughs> it kind of just looks like you sprinkled a little parsley on it or whatever, and that's that's all. But no, there's spinach in there. The struggle's real. But yeah, that that food volume is going to be ridiculous. My last meal's like is protein ice cream, so it's like a scoop of peanut butter, uh, two scoops of whey. Uh, Fat-free milk and some ice blended up. And Are you getting a Ninja Creamy? Huh? Are you getting a Ninja Creamy? A Ninja Creamy? Yeah. No, I'm just gonna blend it up with my Ninja. Yeah. I mean, I'll end up drinking it, but right. Um, that's another food volume thing. I'd rather it be a little on the thinner side so I can drink it as opposed okay. to sitting there with a spoon and having to like dig in it for thirty or forty minutes. I will say, I found this new. It's probably not new, but new to me. It's like a frozen yogurt ice cream bar. It's from like Yasso. Yasso? Yeah. yeah, we buy them. Yeah, those good. are awesome. Yeah, I wish that they were. Um, they're actually pretty macro friendly. They are, but in that meal in particular, he he wanted me to eat you dairy free, know, forty to fifty grams of protein. So okay, so it's yeah. just not high enough protein for you to pair protein, it with anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only dairy I'll eat. Probably is like yogurt at one time a day. Yeah. yeah. So and I can I can do just about any type of yogurt. We we'll do like that's kind of like my sweet tooth thing now is like. Frozen yogurt, and uh, what was the other thing that we got recently that was pretty macro? Those jazzos are fucking good. They are, they man. Are really, it tastes like a bluebell ice cream bar, and it, it's it like does. fucking better macros. It's it's like Greek yogurt, low calorie. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's Greek yogurt. So it's like 100 mm. calories for one of them, and it's like the size of a regular ice cream bar. Like maybe yeah, a little solid. smaller. I like popsicles too, and I do. We mm -hmm. do the um, man. What are the fuck? What the fuck are those things called? <laughs> Outshine bars, they're just like pure fruit puree, basically, and they're frozen. I feel they're like excellent. I got those You get before. like peach and pineapple and shit like that. Are those they are in great. like a green box? Like yeah, a green, they're in a green box. box. Yeah, they're yeah. so good. Um, you can buy them with cream added, but they're obviously... Higher. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wreck your macros. But yeah, I'm going to start that diet back, and I think um, the best plan is the one you can stick to, and mm -hmm. I was able to stick to his plan for you know six or seven weeks it's pretty uninterrupted, and that's really, really good for me. So yeah. um, we're going to try it. See what happens.
So and maybe happens? maybe you feel real good, and you just be like, well, because I feel good, I'm going to keep eating this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that's what everyone says about like diets with a lot of greens in them. They just yeah. make them feel better. So yeah, and I think you know, like I said, the biggest thing is don't get bored. Don't get uh, if I don't get bored, I won't get hungry. So yeah. uh, if I'm having to pound just tons and tons and tons of food, I'll be it's a little bit of a boner kill, right? You know what I mean, so. yeah. It yeah, is what it is. You, you won't you won't be craving that cheeseburger when your stomach's bloating out. No, and you know the good thing is I'm not limited in red meat or anything like that. Right. Like for my uh, eight ounces of potato, eight ounces of meat meal, we're doing shepherd's pie. Okay, so it's basically you know yeah half ground beef, half half mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, are you putting any vegetables in it? Or uh, I'm sure it'll get peas and corn like it traditionally does. And, does it come know. with carrots? Do they normally do carrots? No, not peas and corn. It's uh, peas and carrots. Okay, yeah, that's that's correct. Not not peas and corn. Um, I mean, if you want to put corn in, I'm I'm pretty good about corn and anything to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I am too. The thing about the the corn and that though is that's it's higher and it's going to drive your carbs up. Yeah, and a meal that I'm already eating. Yeah, that's ten plus true. ounces of yeah. potatoes. So, yeah, that's the hard thing. But you got some PR sauce. That's the yeah, absolutely PR sauce. So. I've got two, and they are both new to me. So, all right, new stuff, new stuff. Because so. that's better than what I'm going to do. You're going to laugh at mine. <laughs> so, this one I just heard, and I don't, I don't even know if I've heard any other music from this band. Like, I literally, I, I, I heard it on my Spotify. I liked it, and I don't know if I know anything else about them. But the song was pretty dope. It's called "Heaven Shall Burn" by Eminence. Have you ever I feel heard like I have that downloaded. I yeah. feel I feel like that's a that's the title of a song I would uh I get a hard on over. <laughs> it's, it's good. I like it. I like it. I like anything like sacrilegious. Yeah, yeah. Behemoth. Anything anything that's talking about something satanic or about killing God goes to the front of my list like, almost immediately. Um so I'm gonna hit you with the with the really wild one first. All okay? right. Um, but this guy's underappreciated as a musician, especially for metalheads, is underappreciated. It's not metal, um, but there's just a darkness about all his music that I really, really appreciate, and it's really fucking crisp and clean in a weird, dark way, but also kind of lo-fi and dirty in another dark way. It's just the way he goes about his production is amazing. His bandmate was not particularly good in this band, but he's an awesome musician, but it's uh, Blue Orchid by The Watch Drops. Okay. Yeah, it's fucking good. Well, Jack Jack Watt's a fucking genius. I mean, I, he's like, I've I've never really sat down and listened to him. You you but. wouldn't like the the watch drops, but you would probably like the Racketeers. Okay. Um, it's a little bit more metalheads going to kind of relate to like Led Zeppelin or something like that a little okay. bit better than yeah. they can other like rock music, but it's a little bit more in that va- a classic rock vein than okay. the watch drops is. So yeah. But yeah, Blue Orchid by the White Shops is a fucking awesome song. There's that video is super fucking creepy and I love it. Like <laughs> what is um, they have the White Stripes has a really famous song. Do you know do you, Seven Nation Army? Is that what it is? Yeah. I feel like there was something else. My brother listened to the White Stripes. He was a fan of them. And there was a song that he would listen to, and I I cannot remember the name Fell of it. Fell in love with a girl, whatever the name of the song is. I don't remember the name uh, name of it, but yeah, that was that was one of them that was really big. But yeah. Blue Orchid by the White Straps. Well, my second entry is going to be one that is uh, a lot more. I don't know why I've been getting into like new age metalcore lately, but like it's like the 
I don't know. It's weird because it's like clean vocals it's, through. It's because we grew up on all the remains and shit like that. Right. Kill switch. <laughs> but it's like it's not the kind of new age metalcore is not the kind of metalcore that I really associate with metal. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. like 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 kill switch. All that remains. Yeah. I, I associate that with metal, but this I don't. It's got some hard parts to it, but it's not hard all the way through. Um, but for some reason, I was listening in the gym, and I was just like, "Man, this." this so when it slaps, it slaps. Yeah, fucking matter. But uh, it's called "Anxiety" by Of Virtue. I don't think I've listened to them. That's a new one for me. I feel like they're pretty new. I listen to a lot of like Polaris and um, some old uh, Opperville sucks. That's not who I'm talking about. Um, I'm trying to think. Wage War is pretty cool. Wage War. Yeah, um, heard, I've heard some of their music. Uh, but I, I mean, I like stuff like that. So it, it could, I could, I could make that um, transition pretty easy, probably. Yeah. Uh, so, enter Zach Wild era, Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. With uh, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how much you I don't know how much you like this shit, but this is definitely like the beginning of heavy music for me and my listening. Mm. But uh, I picked "No More Tears" by Ozzy. Okay. Yeah. It's fucking cool. The baseline's cool. Zach Wild fucking rips in that song. Um, Zach Wild's just an amazing that song, guitarist. That song, that song fucking rules. It's a heavy fucking song for 1990 or whatever yeah. it came out. So fucking like it, especially for a mainstream song. It's, yeah. It definitely fucking, I mean, it's every bit of as heavy as, you know, I'm a real Metallica fan and I think Metallica died with the Black Album, mm-hmm. but it's, that song's every bit of as heavy as anything on the Black Album. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. So honestly. I guess it's just kind of like so all you fucking, you know, inner Sandman fucking rednecks can eat <laughs> shit and you can listen to No More Tears because it's a better song. <laughs> I guess it's Hetfield's vocals that really make the difference because Ozzy is always clean all the time. Yeah, but I mean, it's like in a power metal sense. So I like Iron yeah. Maiden and shit like that. That's so true, like Ozzy's not true. a jump for me. You know what I mean? So and also I'm a huge Black Sabbath fan. So yeah, Sabbath is good. Sabbath I is mean, very good. I like some Ronnie James Dio Sabbath. I haven't, I haven't listened to a lot of Dio's Sabbath, to be honest with you. But, I do like Dio. Yeah. I think Dio's amazing. But I mean, but yeah, that era of uh, Ozzy was, a, I think, a little darker and a little heavier than, than previous years. So yeah. it is what it is. Um, it's fucking good. So got two old ones for me. One yeah. from 2003 and one from like 19. I want to say it's between 88 and 90. No More Tears is. so. Do you, does it make you feel old to say 2003 is old? Because it makes me feel old. Listen, I gave up on that when they started playing Foo Fighters and Nirvana on classic rock stations. <laughs> like, yeah, stuff I remember the day the videos debuting for. You know, what, you know what I mean. Like, yep. you know, so I'm I'm fucking over it. It's okay. I guess it's just me creeping up on thirty, and I'm just like thinking back, like, man, I'm a dad. <laughs> all my all my music is old music now. This stuff's not. I mean, not all of it's good, but there's just some really really good, honestly, pretty heavy shit in the vein of like Stone Temple Pilots and. Uh, and Alice in Chains, and even some Pearl Jam and shit like that that I really love dearly. And, like, it doesn't feel like it should be classic rock either, but it is now. Right. Like. Oh, how far we've come. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Soundgarden. Like, there's some fucking heavy. Some of that's fucking heavy, dude. Yeah. Like, this is what it is. Stone Temple Top Pilots bass player. Uh, name escapes me right now, but. Man, some of that shit fucking rips. It just fucking yeah. does. Scott Wyland was a cheesy motherfucker, though. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. But I mean, that was my education. So I don't even being a metalhead. I'm not. I don't feel too guilty about that shit. That's fair. Like well, I feel like if something is like, what's the word? Pearl Jam would be the only one I felt guilty about a little bit. 
by far the cheesiest of the group. They're okay. <laughs> like I yeah. can I can be I could be okay with Pearl Jam like uh, occasionally. Yeah. Like if it there's only so much Eddie Vedder a man can handle. The, it's, it's like, <laughs> if I walked into a restaurant or a bar or something, they're playing Pearl Jam. I could be I could be madder. They could be playing something a lot worse than Pearl Jam. any country music whatsoever. <laughs> any country, around here, that's probably all you're going to hear. But yeah. that's what it is. PR songs are out of the way. So what did we do in the gym this week? What did we do? And you know, I don't even remember the gym this week. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, mine was very up and down. I. I, honest to God, don't remember anything this week that I did. Like, nothing stands out. It feels like it was just a blur. That's it's, good. That means it got done. and But nothing, well, you know, you're a prep. Was, I mean, it's going to come, it's going to have peaks and valleys now. You know right. I mean? Nothing, but, nothing was up here. Was, was last week the week that we went to? Sunday, we went to, um. A week the garage, the garage, which would have been day one for you and day yeah. six for me. So it was me ending a week and you starting. A week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's. <clears throat> I don't know if I talked about that last week or not. I think I we feel did like it a did because we talked about the um, adjustments Joe made on your squats. Yeah, and the, the only fly and stuff. so the only real other day I had a I had a reasonable pump day. Day two and day four were were reasonable pump days. Nothing was crazy, and then my deadlift day. I don't know. I feel like we just, me and you discussed it, but now I feel like I'm drawing a blank on it too. Uh, it's all about oh, it some was, power output, right? Yeah, yeah, effect. yeah, yeah. So we were focusing it's on power. Yeah. So there was a lot of like me just mentally trying to push. I have this problem and I don't know why. And it's, it's shown up in the past where my first rep is slower than my second rep. That's well, almost, almost every time. So we were trying to like mentally break through from that. And I finally did on the last set and I was only working with like 480 or 475 or something like that. It wasn't heavy. So it was just kind of like trying to mentally break free from that power. Yeah, I mean, outfit. I'll be honest with you. Some, sometimes with that power is talking about power outfit on, on deadlift. I know it's mental because the first left uh, lift, you're not sure how it's going to feel on the second mm -hmm. left. You already know. So you can like fucking. I was like, oh, the first the first lick was easy, so the second rep, like, right, you know, I ain't worried about this shit no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not it, that this past week. It wasn't that for me. I'm start. I'm starting to remember. I talked about it. It was more that I was feeling pain in my knees, and this is just like a a common thing for me is knee pain. But I was feeling pain in my knees and my maybe my elbows too. It may have been just like overall joint pain. So I was like really like nervous about trying to just rip it off the ground and like it just Put took, power in it. Yeah. yeah but once the first rep was over i was like okay my cns is adapted and i can just pull the second one so much faster by the end of it i was mentally just so frustrated i was like i'm just gonna like hold like i did the second time but the first time yeah and it it yeah. went yeah, yeah it was just like a, it was like a mental switch was flipped because i realized the pain doesn't change whether I'm lifting yep. this or not. So it's not going to hurt. Right. But I was just, I, in the back of my mind, I was like, if I go too fast, I might hurt myself, might hurt my knees, hurt my elbows, whatever. But it never did. So it just took that eventuality of it's not going to hurt. So why are you not push, putting everything yeah. you have into these? And finally, I did it. I think we did uh, one or two reps at like 5.05 or something just to kind of like 
so I could pull something over 500 for my mental health, basically, yeah. because yeah. I was like, if I'm pulling sub 500 five weeks out. That's that's kind of bad. Yeah, like it is what it is, especially for somebody that's about to pull 700. Like yeah. you need some mental, like yeah, I, I need some wins. Yeah, I need some uh, reassurance. Yeah, that's um, a good. But we're still we're still you know next week is five weeks out. Collecting wins is a big part of it. I mean yeah. it is, and I, I feel Confidence. like I collected a few of it too this week. Um, I had an up and down week. Um, Sunday was my day six. I think we may have talked about it on the podcast. I had struggles with squats and, and mm-hmm. hip pain. I uh, kind of discovered that was related to belt tightness. Mm-hmm. Belt's way too fucking tight. So I ordered a new belt, did the rest of my week beltless, and went fucking great. Um, hit 355 for a triple on close grip, which is uh, that's nearly a PR triple. I got, I mean, I hit 375 in prep for a triple mm-hmm. uh, with a regular grip. So we're getting pretty fucking strong um, yeah. for sure. I actually, my PR triple on close grip was like 20 pounds heavier than my programmed triple on <laughs> on regular. So yeah. it's fine. I gave myself some leeway, and if it feels good, go get it right on close grip day. Um, so that's what I'm doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If it feels good, I'm going to get it. If it's not, I'll hang around 225 and get the work done you know right. what I mean? it's fair whatever uh but 355 went for a triple um ssbs went pretty well did them beltless i did 345 or 350 for a beltless triple which is it's ridiculous saying that my bench press my close grip bench press was stronger but that's just where i'm at right now right um and then uh everything else went well until yesterday i did all my it's my lightweight deadlift week, so I think I had I had three sixty five for ten doubles every minute on the minute. Um, those went fine. I had some pause low bar, and I did get. I said I pulled a muscle, but really I caught a cramp in my mid back mm. on my my last set. And I only say that now because I'm almost. I mean, a hundred percent fine. Right, and it was today. Just and it was just yesterday. So uh, hydration definitely could have been an issue. The fact that I was rushed. Mm-hmm. Because we had the baby shower yep. yesterday, could have been an issue. There's a lot of things that went in that, and also I'm just not used to squatting low bar without a belt. Yeah, which is what it is. I'm much more likely to front uh, front squat or SSB squat without a belt, and I do that pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. So, um, unfamiliarity. It yep. just is what it is. Um, got a little got a little bent over, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I just called it because I had enough volume at that point to get the stimulus I needed, and there was no reason to risk it cramping more or, or hurting it more for 20 or 30 more pounds so right it just uh was what it was but i think i'm fine i think i'll be fine for my it's a low week for me on squats and a high week on deadlifts so i think by the time my deadlift saturday or sunday It'd be fine yeah i'll be 100 percent fine i think i got 500 for a double saturday or sunday so mm-hmm. and i pulled what well, with you the other day i pulled 480 for a really easy double mm-hmm. and my finger still fucked up yeah so. Um, half a grip on one hand, and I'm still, you know, pulling PR weights for doubles, uh, beltless PR weights for doubles. Right. So I ain't worried about it. Yeah. So. Big, biggest takeaway from that is um, no reason to get hurt during the off season. No reason to be hurt ever, really. If I mean, true. Smart, like, true. I mean, you're going to get tendonitis and shit's going to creep up in prep. That's yeah. just, you know, that's probably what you're experiencing in your knees and elbows right now. Um, it just is what it is. But yeah, there's no reason to get hurt. Um, yeah. I mean, and, like, and you know, 
Honestly, I'm not 100% sure a belt would have made the difference on that squat yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think I just did a shitty job hydrating. Yeah. I drank for really the only time I'm drinking most of the time now is when I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I have drank for three days in a row now. I drank Friday night. Yeah. Um, underhydrated Saturday morning. Went and deadlifted and squatted. Hurt myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Drank again yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Drinking again tonight. So y'all, y'all be careful with that. That's all I got to say. Just chug a gallon of water. You'll be mm-hmm. fine. And just pee it all out. Make make sure your water's in you. Yep, absolutely. And uh, should go without saying too. You're experiencing this with Joe right now. I'm a big proponent of somewhere within your gallon needs to have. Uh, I know Joe doesn't like this, but I will do uh, at least one quart of my gallon that's half Powerade, zero mm-hmm. and half uh, half water. Okay, that's important. Uh, and there's better electrolyte supplements out there. I do use. Uh, liquid IV a lot. I use drip drops a lot. Nathan used uh, LMNT. Um, but I would say if you're an athlete, a certain portion of your water should have some type of electrolyte supplement yeah. in it. No, right. I think that's totally fair. And not, like, just, Even if you're eating enough salt. Just to clarify about what you said, Joe doesn't necessarily dislike Gatorade. He just thinks there are better there, options. There's better options. Yeah. And there for sure are better options. Right. But Gatorade is easily accessible, so that's why people go. Yeah, and uh, if you didn't know this, too, Powerade doesn't yet. But Gatorade specifically, um, you could also do uh, BioLots are pretty good. Mm-hmm. But Gatorade specifically has an electrolyte supplement now. Yeah. That's probably a little bit better than Gatorade or Powerade by itself. Um, is it? Uh, it comes pretty much in a bottle. Yeah, it's called Gatorlot. That's okay. what it's named. Um, but uh, you could probably do one of those and be better off than a Powerade or a Gatorade. Right. But, um, but as, salt's the not the of, only electrolyte, as is, is, is Joe's mm-hmm. point about this. You also need magnesium, potassium, things like that, yeah. and not just sodium. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and also sodium does drive your blood pressure up. So if you're getting your electrolytes from other sources, mm-hmm. especially when you're on gear, it could be a little bit healthier to get those from mainly potassium or magnesium or something like that, not just from salt. Yeah, for sure. uh, I'm not sure if that's a consideration Joe's making for you or not, but you need a wide variety of electrolytes and not just salt is my point. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. so absolutely is what it is. I guess that kind of... The rant before the rant? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the topic is really a rant, but it's it's more of just like something we... I think we both have kind of like started to develop more as we've gotten into the sport we've talked about it before how the more we train the more we understand about powerlifting the more we train like bodybuilders stuff like that but the topic of the day is more about bringing athleticism to powerlifters so there's this big stigma right about the fat powerlifters right they're out of shape but they're strong blah 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 blah. there's a lot more knowledge now and a lot better athletes in the sport who are just destroying the the old records of yesteryear because they're fucking athletes because they're training like athletes as yeah. opposed to drinking, eating cheeseburgers, and smoking cigarettes in between. Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. This is uh, and people are gonna get pissed off about this. I really don't give a fuck. The fat powerlifter thing really was perpetuated by you know twenty years of multiply dominating the sport, and I genuinely fucking believe that mass does move mass. Mm-hmm. But specifically, muscle mass moves mass. Right. And being fat is not the only only thing to it. Right. Um, I would say that maximizing your weight class mm-hmm. is more important than just being big. And to maximize a weight class, you have to be as 
reduced in body fat as possible and as high in muscle mass as possible. Right. And there's quite a bit of wisdom to that. Um, and that's what Joe's, Joe's the first person that pointed that, that I remember posting about if you are this tall, you should probably be competing in this weight class, mm-hmm. ideally, if you wanted to be on a professional level. Right. But what Joe didn't say is if you're six foot three, you should be a 308, but he didn't say you have to be a fat three, you need to be a fat 308. Right. It needs to be, it, it needs to be as much muscle mass as possible within 308. Mm-hmm. And, and that inherently is going to mean a reduced body fat percentage. Right. To maximize, I'm a, I'm a big man. I'm six foot mm-hmm. two. I'm not six foot three, but I'm a big man. So for me to be as good as I can in the 308 weight class, I need to be as muscular as I can be and as lean as I can be. Right. Which in, that leads us into this conversation of athleticism and a point I made a couple of weeks ago. The first thing that comes to mind with us athleticism is balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's unilateral strength. Mm-hmm. How much you can lift with one leg, one arm, those kind of things, and how closely your left matches your right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not and, talking about Joel Seedman shit. No, where not, you're no. balancing on a <laughs> yeah, fucking yoga ball. We're talking about is your leg ex- is your ten rep max leg extension the same on your left as it is on your right? Right. Is your maximum tricep your ten rep max tricep push down the same on your left as how closely are you balanced between limbs? Mm-hmm. Basically, right. Um, and then actual balance does come into play, but not like he's talking about. Right. You know we, I mean? but you're not like, talking about like training specifically balance. It's more like, well, I maybe maybe to an extent, but not to an extreme, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Joe has me doing like quadruped rows, yeah. which is about having a balanced core while you're you're rowing. So you're activating your back muscles while you're in a position that is real really like at the first time I did it, I felt really awkward and You're weird. basically in a bird dog doing a run. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So there, there is some something to gain from that, but it's not taken to an extreme. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's the, that's the point. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, with that type of balance comes what, what we're looking for as powerlifters is core stability, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's fucking huge. So I made a point a couple of weeks ago that um, the more I know about powerlifting, the more I wish I would have had a bodybuilding background and not a power and not a CrossFit background, and largely that's because of, um, largely that's because of balance. Like we do mm-hmm. more unilateral movement in bodybuilding than we did in CrossFit. Right. That being said, you learned this with Joe too. There is a time and a place for actual athletic movement, like mm-hmm. you would get from CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything that requires explosive hips, you've done slam balls, you've been done box jumps, stuff yep. like that. There is absolutely something to that in the development of a powerlifter and the athleticism of a powerlifter. Right, because you're you're focusing <clears throat> on like we we were talking about earlier, power output. Like, because if you're in the hole on a squat and you're putting everything you got and you're just sitting there shaking and you're moving slowly, that's inefficient. Yeah. So you're wasting energy. Where if you had the ability to Put more, have more power output at the bottom of a squat or at the bottom of a deadlift, you'd be able to recruit your muscle fibers better, right? Yep. And recruit them faster. Right. Which is going to go into my next point. Most of us know uh, as athletes, and this is com- this is pretty common knowledge. I don't feel like I'm talking over anybody's head. There are two types of muscle fiber. There are type one, mm-hmm. which is your slow, we need to do this for a long time, muscle fiber. Uh, think about a marathon runner. Mm-hmm. Um, their legs are going to be more adapted to top one muscle fiber than they are top two. And top two is anaerobic capacity, mm-hmm. basically. It's, it's 
we need to do this and we need to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. But what people don't, a lot of people don't know is that there's another subset, a subsect of top two. It's called top two X, top two A, depending on what literature you read. But top two X muscle fiber is specifically explosive power. Mm-hmm. So when you think about explosive power, you, uh, what immediately comes to, to mind for me is a common one that I've talked about a lot is football. Mm-hmm. How fast can you get off a line? How fast can you get out of an athletic position and into a full sprint? How fast you can do how fast you can change directions, how fast you can do a lot of those things, right? That's top two X muscle fiber. Mm-hmm. We do train that as powerlifters, but not as well as we could if we were to use jumps, specifically box mm-hmm. jumps, broad jumps, standing verticals, stuff like that. Um, top two X muscle fiber really, really likes that type of stuff, like instant, like mm-hmm. all the powers made now. Yeah. Um, and it's underutilized in the powerlifting community. Um, because that's basically your, your ability to channel force in an instant. Right. Which is and what that you is, need. That is something that has to be physically and physiologically trained. It can't just be a decision to move faster. Mm-hmm. It has to be trained faster. Right. Which is the reason why Joe has you doing part of the reason why Joe has you doing slam balls and box jumps and mm-hmm. shit like that is to recruit those muscles now, not, not, over. not two seconds after you think about it, but the moment it crosses your mind, it's done. Yeah. Uh, and that's incredibly explosiveness is incredibly, incredibly important to our sport. Um, an example of this in myself, we talked another thing we talked about last week is if I pull a deadlift or I hit a squat, I do it with authority, like mm-hmm. tons of speed. Um, my CrossFit background lent itself to a lot of top two X muscle fiber development. So whatever I do, if I'm going to do it, I typically do it with a great deal of authority, mm-hmm. and that is top 2X muscle fiber. Um, likewise, you do need regular top 2 muscle fiber because I'm also one to, if it doesn't go, it ain't going. Right. You know what I mean? And that's where regular old top 2 muscle fiber would bail you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that also leads itself to that balance of bodybuilding and not necessarily just a straight athletic movement like a box jump. Right. Sense. So. And then about two... Um, this may, this may not necessarily, this may still be type two. I'm not the best with anatomy, so you you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, basically getting to a point where you're, let's say you're doing a bunch of reps, like Joe has me doing 30 seconds and then five reps. So those five reps are supposed to be like grindy type reps, right? So you're just putting everything you got. You're trying to force through like on a chest press, you're already torn up. Yeah. You have to force this through. That's also building those type two fibers. Correct. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Specifically top two and not top two X at right. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Now when you swap to your 30 second drop set and it's, you know, 50 to hundred pounds lighter or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it may be, you and know, those, going I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say necessarily the duration of your 30 second set, but those first two or three, two or three reps is absolutely top two X muscle development. Right. Cause that's explosive. Mm-hmm. You know, you eventually are going to start topping it, tapping into two uh, top two, and then by the end of the set, maybe even top one muscle fibers. But um, those first initial explosive reps coming, right. you know, at a much much lighter weight, um, that's top two muscle, you know, mm-hmm. top two X muscle fiber. And it's not alien to powerlifting. You think about um, conjugate, um, which I do think um, more and more. I think conjugate programs fucking work. But in terms of their speed days, right. I don't necessarily know that I agree with them in the way that they approach them anymore. But Louis Simmons knew that a long time ago. Like, if we can start, exp- if we can have two days, one lower, one upper, dedicated to 
explosive movement within these powerlifting things, we're going to develop top 2X muscle fiber at a higher capacity. And then it's that's going to make our one rep max go up. You right. know what I mean? So this is not new to powerlifting. I would say that the way Joe approaches it is much newer and fresher than conjugate does. Right. I don't even know. I think while it's new to powerlifting, it's stuff that we've known in sports training. Right. Um, when you think about a basketball player, football player, or even a fighter or something like that. But uh, it's interesting, and it's an untapped resource. Yeah, and I don't think enough powerlifters use it. Mm-hmm. I even dabbled a little bit with it. Ron knew that. Uh, Ron had a CrossFit background, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also a really fucking good athlete, as mm-hmm. it turns out. He was a really good baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of knew some of these things, too. But, you know, I did a lot of jumps and stuff on the front end of my prep. Yep. Didn't do it the last, you know, six to eight weeks. Right. But Initially in prep, you know, I warmed up every squat day with box jumps. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't particularly a lot of them. It might be 10 sets of three. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it might be something like that. Um, but it's more to mimic the power output. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you think about a jump, the an athletic position is bent knees and bent hips. It is mm-hmm. the beginning of a hip hinge or a squat. Yeah. So um, it absolutely develops mm-hmm. that type of power for right. sure. Um, but I don't think we do enough of it as powerlifters. Yeah. I, th- I think there's there's definitely a place for it, and we could afford to do more of it. And that's something that I've when I when I eventually uh, leave Joe and start programming myself. That's something I'm going to focus on. Of course, I'm going to ask him. You know, I'm going to do the. What do you think I can improve on? What would you like to see me do while I'm away? While I'm doing my off season stuff, and uh, but I I do believe I'll just be doing athletic movements i'll be doing a lot of jumps and um we don't do enough uh we don't do enough twisting and turning as power i was gonna say i was like side lunges like yeah i started cossack squats yeah uh, which is a side lunge but yeah yeah i mean stuff like that makes you more durable Mm -hmm. too uh quite a bit more durable right um and we miss that largely in a regular powerlifting program Mm -hmm. now what joe knows a lot more about than i do is joe is also using these athletic endeavors to manipulate energy systems for you mm-hmm. um, which i know far less about right uh, in terms of the creatine systems and uh glycogen systems and stuff like that and joe knows more than i could even begin to in fact i can't even talk about it other than to give joe credit for knowing about that. <laughs> i mean he really is training in the year 3000 when it comes to stuff like mm-hmm. that because i have not seen i've had three major names coach me in powerlifting mm-hmm. And none of them bring up energy system manipulation. Yeah. Um, so, and they were very fucking good coaches. People oh, yeah. that I would absolutely, well, two of the three. Right. But Brandon and Ron in particular are two people I would send anybody, you know, if you wanted to change from Joe tomorrow, I would tell you Brandon would be a good option. Right. I don't think he's necessarily better than Joe. Right. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? But but those are two people I trust wholeheartedly and mm-hmm. would send anybody to, to Ron and Brandon. Right. And those things were never fucking mentioned. Right. You know what I mean? So I know this guy knows knows more. But just based on what I know, though, training these athletic movements are definitely going to train two t- top two X muscle fibers and are definitely going to help you with explosive power through a lift. And that so. being said, you know, if you don't have a problem with explosive power, maybe you don't have to train these as much. But I still think you should consider keeping well, them in. To that point, I mean, a lot of professional powerlifters now, what were they before? They were athletes. They were Playing baseball, playing uh, baseball, football, football, even bodybuilders. We talked about that. I mean, 
um, bodybuilders can lack mobility and stuff a lot mm-hmm. of the time uh, that regular athletes don't. But like you're talking about people though with primarily athletic backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, making the transition much much better and much 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 quicker than the rest of us. Yeah. Um, both of us were fucking nerds. Yeah. Uh, we didn't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and that probably has set us back some, to be uh-huh. honest with you. But, uh, you know, you talk talk about somebody that's coming into the game with X amount of developed 2X muscle fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to make some of these adaptations much quickly, much, much more quickly than we have. Yeah. Um, but it's necessary. And, and on top of that, um, apart from what Joe knows that I don't, you're also developing anaerobic capacity, uh, capacity in mm-hmm. terms of your VO2 max and stuff like that, which is going to help you recover between sets or even recover rep to rep intraset, which is probably more important than, mm-hmm. than recovery between, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. You think about your heart rate variability, like if, if you, if you can keep a low heart rate through like heavy a sets, stressful set of TM, yeah, you're, you're going to be doing a lot better. You're not yeah. going to be like gasping for air. You're going to be breathing fine. You're going to be like, it's not so bad. Like it's heavy, but it's not so bad because I can still breathe. Yeah. Like that's that's huge. That's one thing that I've been really trying to focus on is just like uh just being able to breathe under stressful situations. I still can't I'm still not the best at it. Sure. I, like especially when stuff gets heavy and I'm doing several reps, I will still catch myself breathing heavy through my mouth, but if you can like take the time to just nasal breathe and just like you know, even even breathing out of your mouth, you know, just like, as long as long as you can. There's something about and I can't remember specifics. There's something about you get more volume when you breathe in through your mouth. But the way it translates into your body is worse than breathing through your nose. Sure. I can't, I can't remember the specifics, like I said. But there, there, there is some science about it, and if you look it up, you'll you'll get all the science. No, that's about absolutely it. scientific, and I don't know the studies either, or the exact science behind it. But breathing through your nose is more efficient than breathing mm-hmm. through your mouth in terms of recovery quality. and quality of air and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Part of it is just our noses are natural filters, so you're probably getting more a more pure form of what you need mm-hmm. than you are if you're breathing through your mouth. Yeah, well, and the reason why we we choose to breathe through our mouth is just a volume based. Yeah reaction yeah absolutely you want somebody somebody's having a panic attack and you're wanting them to control their their breathing what do you what do you tell them deep breath in your nose out your mouth yeah i mean like very very common Mm -hmm. practice in terms of managing anxiety and there's Mm -hmm. a reason that works because anxiety even though it's triggered by you know mental things and stuff like that is very much a physical manifestation of Mm -hmm. stress Mm -hmm. Uh, and managing that stress is largely going to be putting oxygen where it belongs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, so uh, because an anxiety attack is a physical, but just because it's a physical manifestation of something that's happened to you mentally does not mean there's not physical ramifications for it. And in terms of the actual physiological outcome of a panic attack versus a working set on squats, it's pretty much the fucking same in terms of how it's going to affect you Mm -hmm. aerobically and anaerobically. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like, it stands to reason just this is layman's knowledge. This is not scientific or anything. It stands to reason that if it's better there, it has to be better here. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty simple. Now to push this conversation down, down, down the road a little bit, <clears throat> something I agreed with in CrossFit is when you go to your CrossFit level one, um, one of the things they talk about is 
athleticism is a balance of aerobic capacity, anaerobic capacity, mobility, strength, power, and balance. There may be one or two other things mm-hmm. in there. But largely, you have basically athleticism. Their, their view on that is athleticism is where those things meet. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, that makes sense. I absolutely 100% agree with that. Um, I've made the made this comparison a million times before. When you think of an athlete here in America, you think of one one of three people. You think of a fighter, a football player, or a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, soccer is getting larger and larger, and that yeah. may it, they may check some of those boxes. I don't think they check the same boxes those three do, though. Um, I'm maybe not so much from a strength perspective. But, well, their legs have to be strong to kick. Basically, but, and I don't know that I 100% agree with this, but basically CrossFit says if you don't have a little bit of all these things, you can be better here or better there. Mm. But if you don't have a little bit of all these qualities, are you really an athlete? Right. And I think it's a good question in powerlifting because everybody talks about being bigger and stronger, but nobody talks about mobility is going to lend itself to a longer career mm-hmm. you know lend itself to less injuries and stuff yeah. like that nobody talks about anaerobic and aerobic capacity are going to allow you to breathe through sets better and allow you to do more work handle stress better power and strength should be fucking obvious right. in powerlifting right like but like athleticism if athleticism is where all these things meet then we should be striving to meet as many of those expectations as right. we can. And I think what Joe has done, his lifters, you and he has some really big name lifters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake has probably done this with him. Mm-hmm. But he has they have manipulated all those factors and put them and channeled them toward powerlifting and they have essentially made a better powerlifter because of it. Yeah. Um and I think that, that there's a lot a lot to be said we just don't put enough. Um, we don't put enough priority on work capacity. I don't put enough priority on work capacity. But if work capacity grows up, goes up, meaning your aerobic and anaerobic capacity, means we can do more sets. Means we're better practice. Means we're more adapted to more volume, which means we're better adapted to a one rep max. Right. Because you think <laughs> about this: if if you can breathe through sets better, and you can breathe through reps better, your rep maxes go up. Right. Because and if you can, if you can if you can do more reps in a set because you are calm and you're able to breathe through it, there's not as much stress. Your body's going to handle it better. Sure, like stress is going to absolutely fuck you up. If, if yeah, absolutely. Like especially if you're like sitting there, if you're stressed out and you're breathing hard and you're standing there under the weight longer, it's going to affect your CNS. It's going to affect your fatigue. Joey, are you listening to that? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking about him when I said this, but it really will because you think about it, that is just load you are standing under for a longer period of time while you're trying to catch your breath. So if you can move from rep to rep better, it's safe to say that you can get more reps, more volume. You will get more hypertrophy out of it, more yep. training, more strength. You go to do your one rep max, you're probably not going to be one of the guys who's like, you finish a rep, you got to go sit down and breathe and like hunch over because you're like dying. There's never been a time in my lifting career, even before I knew the things that we're talking about right now, where if I was better at a set of 10, that a one rep max intimidated me more. Right. I've never been more intimidated by one rep max than I am by a set of 10. Mm -hmm. Ever. Even if it's weight I've not, not done before. You know, if it's a true one rep max, I would rather squat that one rep max than I had a set of 10 all day long, mm-hmm. all day long. It stands to reason that it would, it shifts your mental, 
and we knew this from squats and milk messing around with, uh, you know <laughs> early on but if you can if you can tolerate a fucking set of 20 mentally a set of five it's like nothing it's like fucking nothing like I, listen dude it can be my five rep max now. I don't give a fuck. Like, bloated up. Like, as long as I don't have to do 20, it's fine. <laughs> so, like, a, apart from all the scientific reasons from this, it does change you mentally and change your attitude toward our sport. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, one rep maxes are going to be intimidating sometimes. It just is what it is. But if you've spent weeks and weeks and weeks in prep doing things from, you know, two to 10 reps that make you fucking uncomfortable physically, that one rep max is a lot harder. To, it, all of a sudden, you feel like when you get to that point, the work is done. Yeah. You're just ready to squat it and get it out of the mm-hmm. way. Like, so apart from all the scientific reasons, it does have some like pretty profound mental effect yeah. on how you view the sport. It absolutely does. Like, fuck it. After finishing the squats and milk, I was like, I feel like I can do anything for one. Yeah. Just don't make me squat another <laughs> right? Like It is what it is. I mean, but, <laughs> the very first time I did squats and milk, um, I think I came out like 40 pounds ahead on my one rep max, like just from squats and milk. Yeah. And that, that was just me. Like, literally, I did squats and milk, and I was like, I'm going to test my one rep max and see what happens. And I put on 40 pounds on my Not squat. even adapted. Not even Not adapted. even CNS adapted to... A new one rep max. He's I, like, fuck, I can do anything one time. Yeah. Put that shit on there. Yeah, we just loaded up like 465 or something. And it was just like, yeah, I got this. It's, it's just one rep. It's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah. Like, I can I can work through but anything. I mean, but I mean, mentally it changed him. But also, I mean, the way your body perceived that weight, it's not near. All suddenly that one rep max isn't near as stressful. Yeah. Thank God. Right? But, <laughs> but like suddenly it's not near as stressful. Like mm-hmm. I know how bad I felt after a set of 20 at 315. Mm-hmm. Like just give me the one. Just, yeah. Please all day. You're you like, get to that point where it, what it comes back to that type two muscle fiber. Cause like you, you get that grind at the end. Yeah, like absolutely. you're just like forcing everything, everything that you got into these last couple reps. So you get that grind and grinding through like the last five reps of a 20 rep squat is like it feels like you're squatting like 400 500 pounds every, every single rep. time yeah and it's half that yeah. you know what i mean it's, it's it's ridiculous and i'm not necessarily condoning everybody should do 20 rep sets all no. the time and in fact after a certain after you get to a certain strength level and, me, and we learn this mm. i learned this the hard way you learned this from me telling you i think when you did it the second time i was like this is the last time you're going to be able to do this and it'd be mm-hmm. fruitful yeah, um, because you're you're just not going to be able to tolerate. You're not going to be able to tolerate a set of twenty at four oh five, three weeks in a row. That's yeah. just not going to fucking happen. You know, not even two weeks, not, not even three weeks in a row, but you know, three, three days, days in a row. row. You know what I mean? You're not going to do this anymore. Yeah. It's not possible for you to do this anymore. At that point, it gets to a point where you have to train to be able to do a twenty rep. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. that. It, what's what's Tom Platt's record? It's like twenty twenty five at five twenty five or five. It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think something. I think Joe broke it, did he? He did not. He did not. Okay. He did not break it. But, um, Matt Winning matched it, but they all called him on depth for it because he's a West Side squatter. So, yeah, very very vertical shins. Very yeah. like you know, it is what it is. Just just his hips. They didn't. They they all said Tom did it deeper, so they didn't give it to him or whatever. It's it's really not like an actual record. It's more just like a. It's it's almost for these professionals. It's almost like a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. But like. It, nevertheless, though, like if you increase your ability to handle volume, 
your capacity for one is just going to go up. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it. I mean, so, but achieving that balance, I just don't know as power lifters, I don't think most of us take into account anything beyond the strength and the power aspect. Mm -hmm. And we really should be taking those things into account. I right. mean, that's what the whole conversation is about, right? Yeah. So, and there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that you can do just to, like, as far as, like, aerobic, anaerobic, you can do sprints, you can do uh, salt bike sprints. Just doing more even, walking. Even just walking on the treadmill. Like yeah. Even less cardio helps with what we're talking about. Yeah. Right now, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, challenging your anaerobic capacity. Mm -hmm. um, steady state's fine. Yeah. And it's honestly fine for steady state cardio. Low intensity steady state cardio can reduce your cholesterol. It can give you a, a lower resting heart rate. Mm -hmm. um, all those things are going to be indicative of you being able to recover better between sets. Mm -hmm. I would say that training your anaerobic capacity is going to be better for you intraset. Mm -hmm. um, but so there's there again, there's reason for both automatically yeah. like talking about it now. So, I mean, <clears throat> I do remember like when I was doing CrossFit regularly, I could handle a lot more volume, um, just stupid amounts of volume because I could breathe through it. Mm -hmm. Can't do that anymore. You know what right. I mean? Like, I mean, part of it's because I'm stronger. The other part of it's because I'm, 280 versus 220, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But, yeah. I mean, there's a reason to train every one of these things, and we just, um, again, we just don't do enough of it as powerlifters. So. But just going going back to the weight thing, if you were like, you're saying like you, you could breathe better at 220, but if you were a lean 270, I feel like you would probably still breathe through it just fine. Like yeah, if you absolutely. were like, like, like I'm not nine like, percent or something like that. The, would... the good thing about I'll tell you the good thing about anaerobic and uh, anaerobic capacity is your lungs develop faster than anything else in your body. Mm -hmm. This is something that you could have not necessarily at an elite level, but you could have at a vastly improved level at just like six weeks. Right. There's a reason why sedentary people, I've used this example a ton, can use an app like Couch to 5K and go from sitting on their ass to running 3.2 miles unbroken in six weeks. Mm -hmm. It's because that develops a lot faster than strength does. So, like, it it takes, that's another thing that's ridiculous as, for us as powerlifters for not training these things because it takes, it's a pretty minimal investment mm -hmm. for incredibly large this has an incredibly, incredibly large return on investment mm -hmm. for minimal effort. Right. Like for Austin now, like I have simply put 10 minutes of whatever type of cardio he wants to do at the beginning of every one yep. of his workouts. Um, Austin is, is trying to cut, mm -hmm. but Austin's a very, very strong individual. Uh, he's got his diet right and stuff like that now. It's not affecting his lifts very much at all. Yeah. When I was doing that regularly, I felt like I moved better. Mm-hmm. The first two or three sets that I that I typically do, um, I, I don't know how you feel, but a lot of times as a powerlifter, I feel like my first set's my worst set. Usually, after I yeah. after I get out after I get out of my way, I'm a little bit more rummed up and stuff like that. That ten minutes of some type of steady state cardio got a lot my body temperature up, and I was a lot more loose and a lot more. I felt I just felt better going into that mm -hmm. first set, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, I mean, it can be as simple as you're just going to warm up. You know, if you don't want to stay on a treadmill for 10 minutes, you can you can do something faster paced for five minutes. Right. It's fine. Five minutes on a rower or on a salt bike like you're mm -hmm. talking about, like, might go a long way. Um, Even if you if you want to be on the treadmill and just jog for five minutes. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's still going to be good enough. Yeah, if, it, if it's is, just like something you want to speed it up, be quicker, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, but you're talking about a pretty minimal investment for a very, very large return on that investment. 
Um, so it's it's really a wonder we didn't do more of it. Mm-hmm. But again, this isn't new to powerlifting. Uh, point back to, I don't know, one time a week, I don't believe that was enough. But point back to Westside and the one day a week of GPP work, mm-hmm. whether it be sled drags or some type of developing some type of anaerobic capacity, though. I mean, right. Well, didn't they, uh, didn't they mm-hmm. like... It was sled on push days and or sled on pull days or something like that. Didn't they have some sort of? Yeah, they had some type of system, I mean, right? Like, like most people do. The mo- I've seen mostly. I think what I've seen from conjugate programming is GPPs on an off day because right. it was a four day program. You had max upper, uh, max upper, max lower, uh, dynamic upper, dynamic lower, and then on a fifth day, you had some type of GPP work. I'm not sure that's going to be, it would probably help you tremendously still, but um, I'm still not sure that's going to be, not, I don't know that that's going to be quite the same effect as doing a little bit every day. Where, right. If that makes yeah. sense. So, um, and that's something and, with Joe's programming, he does the, you know, 10 minutes cardio and yeah. then we do however much GPP, like it's like di- unilateral movement usually. Yeah. Like one day it's like a circuit and it's tempo squats hip abduction no uh hip glute bridges i'm sorry yeah. with with a hip circle yeah and then i do reverse lunges and lat prayers so we're just doing a whole bunch of movement and just like basic stuff yeah like just getting warmed up yeah and i i feel like that that has gone a long way like one day it's a shit ton of reverse lunges yeah like just unilateral movement just basic stuff getting it's also, I'll tell you this as a power lifter too, this is undervalued. That stuff, warm up, I don't necessarily consider on program. I mean, it's it's programmed in there for a reason. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely be doing your warm up, but they're not counting that toward your daily volume, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's a cheap way to drive your volume up or even to correct a weakness. Yeah. Like if you have a, a reverse lunge is really, really glute dominant because you tend to have a more vertical shin than you do in mm-hmm. a forward lunge. Uh, forward lunge is a little bit more quad dominant for that reason, right? But like if you have... We know, Joe knows that you have mm-hmm. a weak glute, right? Like, there's a reason you're doing reverse lunges. Yep. So, in your warm-up, you're doing these reverse lunges, but that's an easy way for him to train that quality out of you mm-hmm. without taxing or having to pay much mind to it in your actual generalized programming, yeah. if that makes sense. So, like, there's value in that, too. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you have time to work every muscle group that you need to get better as a powerlifter? Throw that muscle group in your warm-up. Yeah. Do some glute bridges from reverse lunges. Yep. Do some fucking pec flies or whatever it may be that you're trying to hamstring curls. Yeah, whatever you're trying to do to bring bring up. Like, mm-hmm. it's not to say that you shouldn't do it a little heavier and a little bit more aggressive in in your programming, but like, you do that daily, you're going to develop some work capacity and some strength in those muscles mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't have before. So, with a lot less investment in terms of time. Yeah. So, most of us are going to read a warm up like shit. This is something I need to do quick. Yeah. Because I have all this other shit to do. Um. <clears throat> so there's some power in that too. Like. It is kind of hard to do some of his warm-ups quick, though. <laughs> I will say this, at least as far as Joe is concerned. Um, some of his warm-ups take me like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Just just like all of it together. Yeah. Um, it's Brutal. a lot. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it is. But I've gained an amount of, you know, capacity by doing it. Yeah, and you also some respect for a warm-up, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm sure you're learning the power of a good warm-up now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm, I know better. I'm still very much this way, but me and you have always traditionally been whatever movement we're doing that day. Uh, we're doing, we're doing deadlifts. Well, we're going to, we're going to do 10 at 135. Mm-hmm. We're going to do 
five at two twenty five, a double at three fifteen, and then singles up, singles all the way up to our working set, and then we'll do whatever we need, right? But like that really isn't the best way it could be done. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing Joe's doing not only is he training weaknesses in your in your warm up, but he's also specifically isolating movements you're going to be actively using. Yep. Muscle groups. You're, you're, you mentioned lat prayers and abduction is typically part of your warm up. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if you're deadlifting, you're going to use a lot of lat and you're going to use a lot of butt. There's yep. a reason why he, he's priming those muscles for the work that's mm-hmm. being done that day. So there is a, uh, and it also, that helps with mind and muscle connection. Mm-hmm. Mind and muscle connection is probably going to be easier to achieve in a lat prayer than it is in the deadlift. Yeah. Well, if you're a little bit more of your uh, your lats and what they're doing prior to deadlifting, you're more likely to be able to channel that when you actually get to your yep. your working exercises. Absolutely. So, a lot of power on that. Mm-hmm. Smart man. He is. He's, yeah. He's been he's been a blessing to have. We're gonna have him next week. Not the wood. Well, <laughs> as long as nothing gets messed up. Yeah. Next week, thirtieth. That'll so. be fun. Um. I don't know. Did did you have anything else you wanted to to bring up on that? I think we. I mean, we I, had a pretty good discussion. I think my my ask of powerlifters listening is to be more open minded. My athletes are probably not going to have a choice. I'm. I feel like I've learned a lot from your experience with Joe and talking to Joe, and then also my experience with Ron. Um, we're going to see more and more of this kind of stuff in our warm ups, and we may see more and more of this stuff come up in the actual program. Yeah. I mean, Def, definitely an off season. I think there's yeah. there's power in that in your off season and just like focusing on like with me, it's going to be focusing on power output because sure. that's my biggest weakness right now is that I just can't generate that force right now from the from my movements that I'm in. So I'm going to be doing a lot of jumps and yeah. a lot of slams and whatever. Just any any other thing he has advice on, I'm just going to do that. Um, I mentioned you know I pull I pull really really fast on deadlift that's because of my background with power cleans mm-hmm. you can't do that fucking slow right i mean i know you know when you're initially coaching it you, you coach slow to the top of the knee and all that stuff that mm-hmm. you coach in a power in a power clean but when you actually get proficient at the movement none of that stuff's necessarily at least it's not visibly true anymore yeah. does that make sense you're still pulling with a quite a bit of authority and power mm-hmm. like those things that's stuff that i don't even do anymore but has had a profound long-lasting effect on the way i deadlift yep. nathan as my witness if that weight is going it is going fast mm-hmm. and that's that's you know austin's really good at that austin has a football background i'm sure he did a lot of power queens and stuff himself uh if austin is going to deadlift something it is probably not going to be slow yeah period i mean there's a lot of i mean in myself and my athletes and stuff like that there's and even in and especially in you now which i haven't trained with joe there is glaring examples of why this stuff's important right so think about it we're thinking about it. it is absolutely worth thinking about you got dad jokes for us yeah i think so <clears throat> Let me let me just pull up our old friend Dad says jokes. Let's see what we got. I believe I have some saved here somewhere. So uh I had to uh fire the guy I hired to mow my lawn. Mm-hmm. He just didn't cut it. <laughs> that was Pretty good and fairly obvious. I think, like, yeah, it's pretty. Obvious. Hey, what's big and white and can't climb trees? What's that? A refrigerator. And they definitely can't climb a tree. That was so they? fucking bad. 
So it's been six months since I joined the gym and I haven't seen any progress. So tomorrow I'm going to go there in person and see what's really going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm sitting here scrolling. Can't find anything. Oh, I told this one to somebody the other day. My friend Tony, uh, Tony asked me not to say his name backwards. I asked, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, what did the Italian chef get sent to jail for? What? Too much assault. <laughs> <laughs> I like the hand movement. Like I had to. If you didn't, then, I mean, the listeners can't really, but if you're watching, you saw the hand movement. I accidentally took my cat's meds this morning. Don't ask me how. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Ugh. Man. I think I said that one last week, so I'm not going to say it. I think that's all I got to say for the for this week. I think that's it. Yep. Damn. That's it. That's, that's it. The, that's the that's the whole thing, boys. That's the whole and thing, girls. I, you know what? We never said our socials, so I guess we'll say our socials. And yeah, so you can find me at Coleman underscore Barbell and him at Nathan Skedios and us at Sip and Rip It. Mm-hmm. Um, you can rate us five stars on whatever you listen to, Spotify, Apple now. We're on yeah. Apple now. It took a uh, while. Man. Some some issues came up, but we're on there now. We're on there. Um, yeah, do give us a five-star rating if you don't mind. And uh, tune in because we got big guests coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Joe coming back. We have Tamara Gurley coming up. Um in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we'll have Ron on sometime. Yep. And uh, I got a couple of clients we might have on too. So on the in-between. So y'all, you know, stay tuned. Have to have to talk to Joey and uh, uh, Lance Lance when they finish their meet. I would love to have, I'd love to have Joey on, but I'd love to have Lance on because he has, uh, um, because I've, I've, I've honestly probably done too much shitting on vegan, vegan and vegetarian diets, but Lance has done really, really well and is now a trainer himself, which I'm mm-hmm. really excited about because I really trust and believe in Lance's methodology and the things he believes in. Um, but I would really like his perspective on what it takes. He has a very realistic expect expectation about what it takes to be a vegan and mm-hmm. improve. He supplements really well. He eats really well. He does everything a little bit better than most people in my experience with his dietary restrictions mm-hmm. so i would love to have lance's perspective on those things we haven't visited to that degree we haven't visited diet in a while yeah um i do believe that he is a, a moral vegan which i support more mm-hmm. so than a dietary a dietary vegan. vegan yeah absolutely because i don't think lance is going to sit here and tell us he goes out of his way to to make sure he supplements the right thing so i don't think he's going to go I don't think he's going to fight us on the nutritional facts right. of it. You know what I mean? I think he's very, very much aware of those things. Um, but I would love his perspective on yeah. uh, vegan and vegetarian diets. Um, and also just in lifting and stuff in general and, yeah. and what he's doing with his clients. And um, I would like to know specifically with Lance what he's doing for people that uh, don't eat the way that he eats. Right. So it would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I think so, too. I actually <laughs> sent somebody his way um Last week, you have the friend that's a vegan at work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, that'd be Lance would be a fucking great coach for him. Yeah, yeah I, I sent him that way, and he was he was impressed by the pricing of his coaching, and he was like, "I think I'm going to do it." He talked to his wife. His wife said, "Yeah, you should do it. That seems like a really good deal." So, yeah, I, I don't. I think Lance would be good a good coach for anybody, but especially in that situation because he can shed so much light on right the rights and wrongs of it. So, absolutely, yeah. there's only so much you can you can say as someone who eats meat. 
to, to a vegan. Yeah, because like, we just don't live that lifestyle. Right. So, I mean. I can offer we, all the advice a lot that of I the have, re- I mean, hell, but. I mean, the, the re- one of the biggest reasons for us to eat meat is the efficiency of mm-hmm. it. I mean, other than the fact that we like it. But, right. like, I mean, protein-wise, it's incredibly efficient. And he, yep. you know, goes out of his way to make sure he, he hits better protein numbers than I do, and he's not touching beef. You right. know? So it's, it's impressive. You yeah, know? So, absolutely. Um, yeah, so look forward to those things. I think that's that's pretty much the end. Yeah, I think that's yeah, it. That's it. Bye, guys.